Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joining us now from the great cricketer, uh, Sam Perry. Um, they're going around um, this podcast that's going from strength to strength. It's not just podcast, a live show and everything like that. And he joins us right now and... Not entirely sure if he's into his seventh espresso martini right now, Sam, but he's looking forward to a big couple of days at this time of year. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, boys. Happy Christmas Eve. Not into the seventh espresso martini. I've been driving down the coast here in Victoria listening to uh, the fine radio show you guys have been putting on. Um, but now that I've arrived, uh, yeah, the, the, the beers are on ice. Wonderful. What's your Christmas entail? Are you like a, a lot of us? You You have to pack up, get somewhere, get to the family, but the regimented feel of a boxing day, it all leads to that with uh, a certain <laughs> cricket match taking place. Yeah, yeah, um, pretty brutal this morning. In fact, you may even have my children disturb me on this call. Uh, I have a four-and-a-half-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. I sorted them out solo to get down the coast this morning. I won't bore you with it too much other than to say, uh, as I was packing, they were unpacking everything. Uh, as I was feeding them things, they were taking it out. It took about two hours to even get in the car, and now they want to sort of destroy everything uh, that is near me and around me. But we're here, uh, and I am I am kind of zoning in on Boxing Day. Well, we do have um, our own four and a half year old on this show, Nick Davis, and he's got a question for you. Yeah, I can disturb, <laughs> I can disturb you with anything. And Adam's used to people being disturbed; they just disturb quarter of the way through a soccer game. So we're fine with being disturbed by, uh, by people coming into the show. So that's fine. Um, I, I did mention earlier in the show, Sam, that when you got your cricket bat as a young fella on Christmas Day, you went down the nets and you practiced your forward defence. But now with the IPL auction that happened overnight, everyone's just going to be practising hitting the ball over the fence. Hey, why wouldn't you? You know, you can earn triple your CA contract in six weeks of work if, you're, uh, if you've got a couple of levers and you hit a big ball, as Cameron Green did in two games for Australia against India. Uh, we've not much else record behind him. So, I mean, you know, for those who have kids out there, I mean, I've got kids. Uh, I'm not teaching them in the forward defence, really, unless I'm just kind of uh, wanting to enact some brutality on myself or some nostalgia. Uh, I, I do think the future is in T20 cricket, sadly or otherwise. And uh, I think the result with Cameron Green overnight goes some way to proving that. Do you, Sam, do you uh, feel that there's a squeeze that's going to become untenable for one of the formats in cricket and everyone's looking at the one in the middle at the moment, that's 50 over cricket as opposed to test cricket, which will always have some form of survival about it, and T20, which is just everyone wants to be involved with at the moment. Look, I do. I think that's the logical conclusion from what's going on. There's um, too much cricket being scheduled across three formats. It, can, it confuses people. It's hard to stay across it. The players are picking and choosing. That feels like it kind of um, declines the integrity of all of it. 
Um, but ultimately, it won't be Australia's decision. It will be the BCCI's decision according to what Indian people want. Uh, people can have their views on whether that's right or not, but that's the ultimate macroeconomic driver of which cricket survives and which doesn't. And look, to be honest, with a World Cup coming up in India, a 50-over one later this year, um, you know, one-day cricket is very healthy at the moment. But um, down the track, I do agree, and I think that's the way Australia needs to go too. Uh, Sadly or otherwise, I think that white ball cricket should focus on T20. Red ball cricket should remain the way that it is. Uh, and I think ODI cricket will probably be squeezed out. Sam, how do you feel about the, the, the domestic leagues and the, all the domestic one-day and, and T20 competitions and how they fit and how the, the international game is going to work with them? We spoke earlier in the show about the IPL and it's an... And Adam made a really good point that they could have 20 teams in that competition and it could go for a long time and, and make plenty of money for everyone. But does, does everyone need to sort of sit around the table and go, OK, well, this is your little piece of the pie. International cricket needs to retain um, these dates and these times. But is it that an EPL style where the IPL is on that the rest of the international game just takes a rest? Yeah, it's really hard to imagine it in Australia because we've been um, used to cricket being built around our season. You know, uh, I mean, Australian cricket teams only experience Christmas at home because ever since Kerry Packer took over the game 50 or so years ago, um, we've had the run of things when it comes to the way cricket works. It's sort of 10 to 12 weeks in the summer. We invite teams out here and then we'll go over there, um, you know, in our winter. But the, the economic drivers have changed. I do think eventually it will be club first and then country second. Uh, you only have to look at the power of the IPL to see that. I mean, this year it'll be 74 games. I think they've already, you know, it's a $6.3 billion TV deal. In five years' time, it's going to be 94 games. And I think that's just the start. I think every country, and all countries are doing this with the exception of Australia in a way, understand that domestic franchise cricket is their golden goose. Um, Australia can try and hang on to it summer all it likes, but, uh, and we can value red ball cricket and test cricket, and I do. That's my favourite form of the game. But if there's no one to play against, uh, then we're going to be left at the altar a little bit. And you can already see that. You know, Trent Bolt is out of his New Zealand contract. I think you guys mentioned that earlier. Tim David in the Australian side, uh, you know, picks and chooses when he wants to play around domestic franchise cricket. I mean, the, um, you know, the, the trend is there. Uh, and look, it may not be such a bad thing, you know. I think test cricket should be special as long as they hang on to it, make sure those games are special for people. I think it can be uh, really healthy. Uh, but I do think that domestic franchise cricket, you know, sadly or otherwise, is, um, is the future of the game. Uh, you uh, are down, obviously, there in Victoria, you mentioned. Um, what are we expecting at the MCG? Are we expecting a, another billiard table that we played on at the Gabba or something a little uh, more like a normal cricket wicket? Uh, I don't know. No one knows what's in a pitch. I mean, that's one thing cricketers always think they want you. You know, they want you to know that they uh, they they understand how a pitch works, but no one really understands. I mean, I've I've read everything so far with the MC the MCG pitch. I think the South Africans had a look at it yesterday, and they said it's super soft. Um, but then again, it's meant to be 35 degrees on Boxing Day here in Melbourne, so maybe that's deliberate and it's meant to harden up. I mean, it was only a few years ago the MCG wicket was completely dead. You know, Mitchell Stark bowled the first ball against India and it bounced twice through to Tim Payne. Um, and now Matt Page, the curator, has actually got it doing a little bit and we're sort of getting a little bit upset about that. Like, I, I think it's a very difficult thing to curate a wicket that sort of perfectly balances bat and ball. Um, I much prefer a wicket that actually offers something to the bowlers 
but but there has been some pretty weird weather down here in Victoria. I mean, it's been wet for the last couple of, well, probably last eight to nine months. Uh, but for the next couple of days, it's meant to be extremely hot, which is welcome here. But um, what that does to the deck, I don't know, <laughs> but it, it, it could be interesting again. It dries it out, doesn't it, Nick? We dries it out. Being here the, at, at horticulturists at the Saturday morning mowers. And let's stay down that. Sam, <laughs> and we're in the world, here, especially here in Australia, where um, a lot of our major cricket uh, grounds are AFL grounds and the drop-in wicket. How have you seen them evolve over the last few years? The SCG is still uh, a, a natural pitch, but everywhere else is sort of going the drop-in wickets. How have you seen them evolve? And, and you just spoke there about the MCG. Um, are they getting better? Are they getting worse? Are we getting the right result? I think everyone, especially Gibbo, because he gets days off, wants five days of a, of a test match. Um, we just aren't seeing that at the moment. Is, is, is it the competition? Is it the wickets? Is it a bit of both? Yeah, I mean, with respect to you, Nick, and your your, your game of origin, uh, I, I'm not a fan of, of how... Uh, you know, Aussie rules grounds essentially impact the ability for a, a cricket wicket to be formed naturally. Uh, but nevertheless, that's the commerce of it. Look, I, I do think they've improved, to be fair. I was only sort of five or six years ago, particularly when Warner and Smith were banging out runs for fun and Michael Clark. The drop-in wickets were just creating dead decks uh, and, uh, and it was pretty handy for batting and not really much for the bowlers. Uh, but it does feel to me in the last couple of years with the advent of day-night cricket in Adelaide, which means the ball's always doing a bit. Matt Page at the MCG has got the ball doing a little bit, maybe too much. He's, he's got to find that balance. That the drop-in wickets haven't been as problematic as they have been in the past. So I do think they're getting a handle on it. Uh, but, you know, there's no... Uh, comparison for me with, say, you know, talking about, you know, of the horticulturalist dream of the of the wicket with the wacker soil uh, over their optus or uh, or the SCG bull-eye soil and what that might do later. It has its own character. It's part of what makes the game really interesting. So fewer dropping wickets are better for me, but they have made improvements on those that, you know, by obligation have to use them. Um, I'm led to believe, I read somewhere... If, uh... One of the bowlers mentioned last week that the new Kookaburra ball has an extra layer of lacquer and it, it helps the seam stay, or maybe the seam's a bit different as well. So it's it's helped mm. the ball a lot. And then you couple it up with uh, what happened last week at the Gabba and you're going to get a uh, one for the bowlers as opposed to what you were talking about there, Sam. Are you, you're doing um, some shows as well, some live shows uh, with the great cricketer at the moment. Tell us about those. Yeah, uh, it's been. We've done live shows sort of since we started, but uh, due to COVID, it's been two or three years since we've got back on stage. But they're basically, you know, the loosest, most raw expression of uh, of TGC's work, and it's been great to be back on stage. So yeah, we, we we're going around with every Test match. We'll do a night. Uh, in every city. So, so far we've done Perth. Marcus Thornis joined us on stage and started vaping. Uh, it got pretty loose. Okay. Uh, we had Callum Ferguson in um, in South Australia. He was getting questions about, you know, sort of sleep with, marry, kill, um, Darren Lehman, Travis Head and Nugget Reese. Uh, so that sort of indicates where things were there. Um, and then in Brisbane, we had Justin Langer where there was a pretty heavy energy, but really fun, really fun. Um, I think he struck us both uh, on the shoulder and back on stage eight or so times, and it's a heavy strike too. Uh, on the 27th, we've got Ricky Ponting on stage uh, in Melbourne at the Corner Hotel. Um, these are all sold out, by the way, in case these sounded interesting, but um, looking forward to talking to Punter. And then we're doing two shows in Sydney 
with uh, with Shane Watson. So yeah, we're really grateful to have such uh, high level guests, uh, and there's plenty of stories that they've been telling. And they're generally look, people are coming after the cricket and they're gassed. Uh, so it's it's a pretty loose evening. Um, probably needs a little bit more regulation around it, to be honest. But uh, they've been they've been a lot of fun. No, no, it's the time of year for it. And hey, if you get regulation here, so don't worry about no, it. No, no, you, you, you get Nick at 2.30 this afternoon, you get that kind of atmosphere, I dare say. So, um, Sam Perry, really appreciate your time, mate. Um, and good luck with the great cricketer and your exploits with the podcast and live shows and everything else that you're doing. And, and thanks for coming on to talk a bit of cricket. Thanks, boys. Have a good one.